Warning. Due to violent and disturbing content, listener discretion is advised. What's up, creeps? Welcome back to another exciting episode of Seeing Red. We hope everyone enjoyed episode 2 on Mr. Chikatilo. Last week, we took you overseas and back in time, but in this episode, we're going to take you back even further to discuss a woman who holds the Guinness World Records label of the most prolific female murderer. Tonight, we're going to examine Satanism, inbreeding, and eternal beauty. So without further ado, let's cuddle up and talk about murder. Where are we headed today, Nina? Well, today we're going to Hungary to give you some insight on the birth of a female monster. Elizabeth Bathory was born in 1560 and was the daughter of an aristocratic soldier. Her sister married Poland's reigning king, and her family was one of the oldest and richest Protestant houses in Hungary. During the mid-16th century, the royal bloodline was tainted with incest, epilepsy, and later ranks added alcoholics, murderers, sadists, homosexuals, which was considered deviant at the time, and Satanists. And for the record, we do know that her proper name was Erisbet, but for the sake of both you guys and ourselves, we're going to refer to her as Elizabeth because we're not Hungarian. <laughs> Okay, so there's clear evidence that the Bathory family was related by marriage to Vlad Tempest, a.k.a. Vlad Dracula. (laughs) (laughs) Armands with the fangs. Yeah. So some people say this is true. Some people say it isn't. I think it adds to the romanticism or nefariousness of the story. But let's pretend it Let's pretend it's true, because that makes things fun. <laughs> it makes her more fun. Yeah. <laughs> That's why they didn't find her skeleton. She's a vampire. Okay. Spoiler. Though she was... <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> Though she was very beautiful, it was said that Elizabeth was clearly the product of polluted genetics and a twisted upbringing. Her lineage included two princes of Transylvania, several war heroes, and church officials. However, the family also included an uncle that was obsessed with satanic rituals, a sadist aunt who enjoyed torturing her servants, a few drunkards as well. It's said that as a young girl, she had fits of rage, which seemed to be passed down to her from her father. Throughout her life, she was subject to blinding headaches with eye pain and fainting seizures, which some of her family diagnosed as demonic possession. Ew. So let's yeah, let's talk about the inbreeding a little bit. Um, it wasn't uncommon back then 
for families to try and keep the bloodlines clean, so to speak, by marrying within the families. But that does sometimes pose medical issues. But I didn't find a lot of medical issues pertaining to inbreeding that match up with her seizures and headaches and all of that. Um, yeah, I actually read that today. There's still a lot of first person in um, first cousin inbreeding between families, mostly overseas in Europe still. Um, they believe like first, like here in the United States, they're like, oh, you can't do like marry your first cousin, blah, 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 inbreeding, like side effects. But apparently overseas, it's still common to have your children marry their first cousins. So you can be Pila. Yeah. Um, the, the thing too, about the fainting seizures, I had read that back in the day, they had mistaken um, fainting for seizures because sometimes people pass out and then get all twitchy. So people think that it's a seizure when in fact it's just fainting. Um, but there has to be some kind of cause for her fainting since it seemed to happen pretty often. But demonic possession, it's definitely <laughs> demonic possession. <laughs> just prop her up in the hallway, let the demons take hold. Yeah, just throw a crucifix on her, she'll be fine. <laughs> And possession, you know, demon possession and fear of magic and the occult were pretty common back then. So it's not weird that they would assume that she was possessed by demons because, you know, demons give you headaches. Everybody knows that. Everybody knows. It's common sense. <laughs> so speaking of demons, um, it said that she was introduced to devil worship and the occult in her adolescence by her satanic uncles. Her favorite aunt was one of Hungary's most notorious lesbians, and she taught Elizabeth the pleasures of flagellation, which is essentially whipping yourself for either religious reasons or sexual gratification. Uh, as far as Elizabeth was concerned, though, it was always better to dole out the pain than it was to receive the pain, essentially making her a sadist. And as a real quick side note, we are LGBT friendly ladies and also we do not kink shame. Want to make it clear that there is no correlation between sexuality and fetishes and violent behavior. With that said, moving on... We do know that Elizabeth received an outstanding education. She was trained in all the classics like math and reading and writing. And she could read and write in Hungarian, Greek, Latin, German, and even Slavic, which was the language of many of her servants. Today, a young Elizabeth would have been referred to as a tomboy, and she demanded to be treated just the same as her male relatives and staff. She liked dressing up as a boy and studying as a boy and playing so-called boys' games, including fencing and horsemanship. And in a lot of ways, she surpassed her male counterparts in these areas. Pussy power! Yeah. <laughs> I'd be proud of her if she wasn't such a monster. <laughs> yeah, right. It was said that when she was young, she actually saw a thief get sewn into the body of a dead horse 
which kind of freaks me out. What the actual fuck, Hungry? Like, who thinks that up as a punishment for stealing? Like, some guy went and stole, and they're like, you know, he needs to be punished. That horse over there is dying, so let's just slice him open and throw a boy in there and see what happens. That poor horse. (laughs) The poor boy! (laughs) I'm more worried about the horse. (laughs) Yeah, so clearly she's seen some shit. It's gonna make her even more mental. (laughs) When she was barely 11, she was contracted to marry Count Ferenc Nadashti, an aristocratic warrior known as the Black Hero of Hungary. Their wedding was postponed until she was 15, though. She was married on May 5th, 1575, and she kept her maiden name as it was a sign that her family held more status than her husband's. Scandalous. Burn. <laughs> so let's talk about her arranged marriage. Um, apparently, according to different articles we read, they said that she actually had sex with someone else and gave birth to a son or daughter. That was a daughter. Was it a daughter? Okay, mm-hmm. for sure a daughter. And she was given off to like local like peasants to be raised because it's frowned upon to have premarital relations and have a baby out of wedlock. But we are not sure if she was with another dude like on her own or if she was possibly raped. It is said that they um think that she was raped and that's why they gave the baby away, but there's a lot of speculation around everything. Well, she claimed years later, even signed a document. Um, And mind you, she was, I believe, in her 50s at the time. She signed some paper saying that she had been raped when she was younger. But, you know, that could very well have been just to save face. Because I also read accounts that she did have this paramour who was, I think, one of the servants in the castle or something. So it would have been scandalous for them to have relations and that the future husband, Mr. Nadajdi, um, ended up getting him executed or exiled because of the pregnancy. So there's a lot of conflicting stories, but I think it's like she definitely had a baby before they were married, and that's why the wedding was postponed. Scandalous. Yeah. So it's said that her husband actually is the one that ends up teaching her different techniques that he saw on the battlefield, which further incriminates Our Lady. Yeah, so she was probably somewhat of a sadist prior to this, but her old man seems like he was the one that really believed that torture was the way to discipline people because that's the way it's done during war and with other soldiers and captives and he clearly gained some kind of you know sadistic pleasure and introduced it to elizabeth who was young enough to be easily influenced by an older guy oh yeah plus she's eager to learn all that new stuff i mean he gets to travel around and see worldly things in the area and she's at home and this area where she grew up well soon to not be there anymore but we'll get into that they ended up settling in northwest hungary at cheta which is modern day slovakia in this castle that had a dungeon and a torture chamber that was made to fit both of their needs 
her husband was off fighting a lot and was absent for weeks to months at a time, leaving her alone and bored with orders from him to make sure she disciplined the servants. Um, she dabbled in alchemy because that's what her aunts and uncles and stuff were into and indulged in all of her sexual quirks with men and women alike. And she was said to change clothes and jewelry up to five to six times a day. Um, and she just began torturing people just for sport, just for funsies. Like even when they didn't need to be disciplined, she would just get bored and have at it. Okay, so let's talk about her extravagance here. If you're just sitting in a castle by yourself, why do you need to change that many times a day, girlfriend? I, I don't know. I sit around bored and like just do my makeup because I have nothing else to do. I can kind of get, eh, I'm not doing anything. Let's get changed five times today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess if you haven't flaunted it, I guess the servants... When but they're not are, being ripped apart. Yeah, but <laughs> who are you her. flaunting it for? Like, ooh, I'm, I'm really going to impress the servants today with my finery. <laughs> so we're going to talk about alchemy for a second, which was the belief of, like, different practices to, like, draw out your life, prolong your life, etc. And I guess at the time, like no one really knows anything about life and death. I mean, everyone believes the church system and everything. So her family dabbling into all this witchcraft and stuff and like Satanism probably is leaving her a little bit confused. I'm assuming. Well, I think there was a lot of confusion during that time because we were just starting to kind of understand sciences but there was still a belief in magic. So I always kind of seen alchemy as this mix of science and magic. So I don't think they necessarily seen it as magic per se, but like a way to use the sciences to do things like prolong life and, you know, find philosopher's stones and all of those <laughs> things. Like, right, like nowadays that just sounds like, spoopy witchcraft shit but back then they thought it was like a real possibility i think yeah so moving on to her torturing as it's starting it said that she would actually torture the servants with the larger boobs suggesting that there was a sexual motivation for her crimes but i'm wondering from all the pictures i've seen of her if it was something out of jealousy because my girl didn't look like she had a lot of meet up top <laughs> I mean yeah I boobs. like I looked at yeah I have no boobs either so we're not throwing shade on the little girls out there but uh, it's hard to tell because everything was very corseted back then and more modest so like maybe she had a rack maybe she didn't but yeah maybe she she's you know trying to get revenge on the busty ladies but maybe she was just like, hey, I like big boobs and... I cannot lie. Yeah, and now I want to <laughs> stab them because, you know, that's what you do. <laughs> yeah. 
Moving right along from big old titties, one cause of her anger that she needed to release was her mother-in-law who frequently annoyed her in hopes of her conceiving a grandchild. Elizabeth was in charge of running the estates for her husband while he was away, but the true person who looked over them was her nagging mother-in-law, who would make frequent stops in the check on her. Bathory goes on to finally give birth 10 years after she gets married at age 25, and several more children followed. It's presumed it took her so long to conceive because her husband was often away from the home. So I guess she wasn't getting frisky while her husband was away. Because <laughs> she seemed to have no problem with that, you know, before she was married. But I guess she kept it in her pants while he was away or just banged women or something. I don't know. Yeah, and I guess she got married young. Um... But I think that was pretty common back then. I still think it was kind of weird that it took 10 years for them to get pregnant. Um, and after they started getting pregnant, I feel like they didn't stop. Didn't they have like five kids or something? Yeah, there's conflicting reports about exactly how many kids she had. But they definitely confirm like at least three for sure. Possibly four to five. So the young women in the house, the servants and whatnot, always knew that beatings were coming after the mother-in-law would come to visit. And a lot of the tools that she used were, were sharp objects like pins and needles. And she liked to pierce their lips and nipples. And uh, she would even like ram needles underneath their fingernails and stuff and degrade them by calling them little sluts and things like that. Okay, so sometimes she gave the serving girls permission to pull the needles out of the fingernails from these other girls, but when they did so, she would chop off their fingers, which is pretty freaking sadistic. Um, she was also big into biting. She liked biting like breasts and cheeks and their face and stuff to the point that she would draw blood. And other captives were... Uh, sometimes stripped and smeared with honey and exposed to ants and bees they would like cover these people in honey naked and put them outside so insects and whatnot would basically just eat them alive which is that's fucking brutal that's fucked i wouldn't want ants <laughs> but like bees maybe I, that's only because you love bees but if they're day. if they're stinging your eyeballs you probably wouldn't like them so much not my eyeballs. <laughs> she liked so like exposing. Yeah, like part of her torture, like that with the bees and the honey and all that. That was something she enjoyed. But sometimes she would just like throw water on them and throw them out into the Hungarian winter, which I'm going to assume was very unpleasant. So they would freeze to death and, you know. Could you imagine walking by your friend covered in fucking ants and being like, <laughs> sucks to suck. Yeah, Jesus imagine going to, hey, I'm going to go visit my friend Beth. And like, as you walk by, oh, look, servant girl Skin covered in ants. Yeah. By us. Uh, yeah. 
Moving right along to her husband, when he was actually home, he would sometimes join in on her torture. And it's said that he even informed her on how to put oiled pieces of paper between the victim's toes and light them on fire, which seemed to be a favorite of hers because mutilations of people's feet were common among her victims. It's said later that he gifted her a glove that had claws on it so that she could scratch the face of peasant girls. But over time, he even began to fear his wife. Cue the inspiration for Freddy Krueger. <gasps> Wait, that is a great connection. It is. She was the first. Okay, so more about Fuckface McGee over here. Um, He went on the road for like months at a time. Obviously, he had some urges and he apparently had a or even multiple mistresses behind her back which i think is pretty fucky since she seemed like she was pretty faithful but like can't confirm or deny (laughs) well in the penis department in the penis department it's still cheating not that i know that she was banging other chicks or whatever but true true Okay, so her husband actually goes on to die. <laughs> he goes on to die. As we all do. <laughs> in 1600 and possibly 1604, we're not really sure because um, the accounts on his death actually vary because no one really gave a shit about him. But apparently he died from some like mysterious leg condition. Yeah, like he couldn't walk, right? That's I'm not positive. I, I think like, he, he had was... a peg leg. He had a peg leg. That's what happened. <laughs> he became a pirate and fell off. <laughs> he became a pirate? He was going, Elizabeth, Elizabeth. <laughs> and then he fell off a fucking cliff into the sea. <laughs> I'm just kidding, folks. That is false information. <laughs> it is not accurate information. <laughs> but given all the other fire. bullshit around this story, let's add it. It'll be fun. Yeah, let's just add it in. Start the rumor. Pass it along. Okay. So she didn't start murdering any of her, like, servant girls until after her husband dies, a.k.a. she was triggered. She seemed to treat the townsfolk fairly and often favored helping women who were wronged by men, which I don't know if I just said that right, but (laughs) yeah, she often favored women who were wronged by men. Yeah, like, if there was a woman in town who maybe got raped and knocked up she would always um you know make sure the man was punished and the woman was taken care of or if a man abandoned his family things like that so on one hand you have her completely degrading and torturing women all the time but on the other hand she wants to make sure they're taken care of and you know treated fairly it's a weird we're dichotomy there. She's such a giver. She's a giver. Everybody <laughs> loves her. So eventually, Bathory broadens her interest to nubile strangers as opposed to her regular servants. And the people that worked for her were ordered to bring um, helpless peasant girls from the town into the castle. And, you know, they would convince the girls families that they were you know they were going to be servants and they were going to be educated and and all this other stuff but it was all a ploy um she did build up a team of people that helped facilitate the murders with her 
so we have a Anna Darvolia, and that was her main accomplice, and all the townsfolk believed her to be a witch. Um, there was also a wet nurse who looked after the children, Elizabeth's children, and her name was Ilona Joe. And there was a friend of Alania Joe's named Dorka. Uh, there was a washerwoman named Cataline. And the most sinister of the helpers were Anna and Dorka, who would try to outdo each other when inflicting pain. And youngest, or possibly the youngest of the clan, was a teenager by the name of Fizko, um, which translates into the word lad. So it either means he was very young or possibly a dwarf. Again, accounts vary on this one. Um, yeah, so she would promise these young girls and her, her henchmen would promise these young girls employment. And they resorted to using drugs and brute force as pervasive rumors thin the ranks of willing recruits. Yeah, no shit. She's a fucking nut. She's a straight nutter. Like, like, why did she move on from the servants? That's what I wanted. Did she just plumb run out of them? Because she, like, Freddy Krueger her think, way through them? Or... I think she gets too cocky. I feel like she's like, oh, dirty little peasants, blah, blah, blah. I'm untouchable. Like, I, I feel think... like... I think she eventually gets cocky, but it seems like a progression, like almost, um, almost like she has permission to kill her servants because they're her property. So she wants to maybe, um, you know, build up the excitement by doing something a little more daring to get that same maybe high or whatever that she was getting with the servant girls. So there was more risk involved and maybe that made it more exciting for her. Yeah, Lady Bonas. Yeah. I mean, I feel like if I was in that position, knowing that, like, you're killing someone else in your kingdom's kid after torturing them. I mean, I think that's obviously, like, peasants are helpless, but, like, these people believe they're, like, a step above, like, trash, basically. So I'm assuming to her, she's just like, oh, yeah. I feel bad for these fam like I feel bad for the girls, obviously, but these poor families think their daughters are getting like this great opportunity to, you know, make a better life for themselves to be employed and educated, only to go, you know, be covered in honey and fed to bees. <laughs> for fuck's sakes. And they're buried in a shallow grave or torn apart by wolves. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Ugh. Okay, so Elizabeth is said to have carried around special metal pincers to tear at people's flesh, but she also, as we said earlier, favored pins and needles. She used branding irons, red-hot pokers, whips, and sometimes even scissors. Almost anything, I guess, she could get her hands on. One victim was even forced to cook her own flesh, while the others were doused with cold water and pushed outside into the snow. Others had candles burn their vaginas or tore their breasts to shreds. Once Bathory was so sick she couldn't get out of bed, so she ordered one of her servants to bring a girl over to her bed and used her own teeth to rip bits of her flesh from her cheeks and shoulders. 
And it's said that sometimes that she would even jerk their mouths open with so much force that their chips, their chips, their <laughs> cheeks would rip open, kind of like some Joker type cray cray shit. She would watch as she forced her servants to do her dirty work for her, yelling more, more, more still, harder still. Sometimes she would even get so worked up that she would faint from excitement. Which, we're not sure if it has to do with, like, epilepsy, her incest rumors from her family, demonic possession, who the fuck knows? Could you imagine getting so excited from something that you just fainted? Like, I know that's a thing. I see it on TV. Women seen the Beatles and would just get so excited that they would just faint. There's literally nothing I could think of that I'd be like, I'm so happy, I'm about to pass out. I've never fainted before, and now I, I feel left out. Yeah, I've never fainted either. I've been curious, but now on me, I'd, like, eat curve and knock all my teeth out. Ugh, stop. I can't <laughs> handle it. One special toy she had made was this cage that hoisted, like, feet off the ground by a pulley. And she had these large spikes inside, and they, you know, she'd put the servant inside and like other servants would like jab inside the cage with hot pokers forcing the you know the victim to be pushed onto the spikes to escape being burned um so like i don't know what kind of sick mind thinks that up freaking inquisition um <laughs> So one of the most popular beliefs, because you cannot talk about Elizabeth Bathory without talking about her draining the blood of virgins and bathing in it to stay young and beautiful. Um, but the fact of the matter is, this is probably bullshit. Like, none of the servants um, who testified against her mentioned anything about this. Rather, account after account mentions that the floors of the torture chambers were so covered in blood that they would have to clean it up. So it lends to reason if she's wasting all this blood, it's all over the floor. She's probably not bathing in it. Um, so, the, you know, our blood countess showed absolutely no interest in, you know, this this narcissistic beauty routine that either history or media or gossip wanted to perpetuate i think it just helped with the tale honestly with everyone like making up all these rumors about her over the years dracula and like wanting to live forever and everything i think it just like well this softened. Like, this predates the whole dracula thing and in my opinion um elizabeth bathory was far more of an inspiration for, for that book than Mr. Vlad the Impaler. But I think it speaks to the way they viewed women at the time, that women were so obsessed with youth and beauty because it was their only worth. Um, and women were just vain. And you look at fairy tales like, you know, Snow White or the Queen's main obsession was just being beautiful. So I think it's that same mentality that women are just vain and trivial and don't think of anything beyond their own beauty. But it lends to the horror of the story, too. Like, it wasn't horrific enough that she's, you know, biting cheek, you know, biting girls' cheeks off. Let's make it all the more horrific by, 
you know, saying that she's drinking blood or bathing in blood because, you know, they wanted a monster and they, I mean, they already had one in her, but that makes it all the more scary to tell your children at night, I guess. Spoopy Bathory. Yeah, don't stay a virgin or Elizabeth Bathory will bathe in your blood. So, how did she get rid of the bodies, you may be asking yourself. Well, some of her victims were buried at night in local churchyards, and others were left to rot around the castle, apparently, which I think, I don't know how cold it is in Hungary, but I feel like that would just fucking smell. I don't know how the weather was in the 1500s in Hungary, which I should probably Google it, but it's too late to turn back now. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so sometimes she would even dump the bodies outside the castle to feed local wolves and predators, which would honestly be terrifying to just walk out your front door and just seeing a chick get dragged off into the woods (laughs) by a fucking pack of rabid wolves in Hungary, no less, but we're just going to roll with it. Um, So even though she's getting rid of all these bodies, her royal blood is protecting her. And being noble led to no questions of her power or the discipline that she had in her own home. So, just bones everywhere. Just fucking bones everywhere. People bones. (laughs) Okay. So, in the beginning of 1609, Elizabeth's closest confidant, Anna the Witch, (laughs) dies of a stroke. And around the same time, her debts have become far too much for her to handle. And with all her children grown and married, she fell into a spiral of loneliness and desperation. For some reason, Elizabeth decides that she needs to find a better class of victim. And we don't really know why, but the general belief is that her steward, Erzy, who we believe to be a witch, another witch, by the way. All the witches. All these females, girl. (laughs) Um, Actually convinced her to take the lives of noble girls because her financial fortunes would turn around by wiping them out somehow. I don't know. I don't even think in a witch brain that that makes sense, but you know. So it may be even as simple as her running out of victims, victim servants, servant victims. I don't know. She began offering the local fathers, whom were lesser nobles, instruction of the social graces to their daughters. And using this ploy, she actually ends up getting 25 more girls into her castle. So she started a fake-ass school, is what she did. Yeah, she did. Yep, she started this school. And maybe the whole witch thing, it maybe kind of makes sense. Like, if you want your fortune to turn around you need a higher quality of girl. So people like servants and peasants, they weren't enough to appease the witch gods, whoever they may be. So maybe kill rich girls, get more money. Not sure if that worked out for her, though. We'll see. (laughs) So a lot of the girls' parents started questioning Bathory on where their children went because they all, like, poof disappeared stop writing stop communicating and she just always had an excuse like everything from cholera or they went crazy or another girl killed her before they killed themselves like there was at this point i would have pulled them out because it just doesn't seem like a safe place to live between the cholera and the you know insanity and the parents clearly didn't believe any of the stories 
that all 25 girls under her training were actually doing these things. So a lot of these parents went to the king to help him help them find their missing daughters. And they did. They got eaten by wolves. They Well, they got eaten by wolves after they were Freddy Krueger to Hopefully death. dead. Yeah, hopefully <laughs> dead. Hopefully dead and not being munched on while alive on the verge of death by wolves. Yeah, at some point if I'm outside covered in honey and ants, I'm hoping a wolf is coming to help me out and just put me out of my misery. Yeah, for fuck's sakes. <laughs> I'm gonna start howling and be like, hey, oh, Come get me. <laughs> Mating call. Fucking she-wolf Shakira. Yeah. <laughs> okay. This is where shit gets fucky. So the official royal investigation begins and is put into the hands of the king's highest ranking representative, George Thurzo. And this man happened to be one of Elizabeth's dead husband's closest associates. And on his deathbed, he told him that he would always, like, look out for his wife, Elizabeth. But because of his loyalty to the king was so much stronger than that of his old dead friend, he treated Elizabeth with a level of respect that she would not have otherwise gotten from the people. Because now everyone's like, oh, shit, this bitch crazy. Mm -hmm. So George begins to interview witnesses and it's soon he finds out that a dozen people wanted to testify of her depraved ways. And the servants who had managed to get out of the castle alive spoke on seeing blood-drenched walls, hearing terrible screams, and even noticing the ever-growing ready-made cemetery in the castle courtyard, which how the fuck did no one else notice this? <laughs> the pile but, of bodies. Yeah. Don't mind that new mound of dirt I got over there. <laughs> Hope you like fertilizer. <laughs> but anyway... However, none of the people that he actually spoke to were actual eyewitnesses of the torture, which seems kind of shady because how are you seeing all that shit and you can walk away, but other people are getting killed? I don't know how the whole thing went down, though. I'm sure a lot of people were afraid, not only of her on a personal level, but on a like rank level. This woman is rich and important and powerful, so... You don't want to say anything against her because she will more than likely seek revenge on you. But I have to give this Thorzo guy credit. Like, even though he, like, he investigated her, but he gave her the benefit, the benefit of the doubt. He didn't just be like, oh, she's, you know, she's a killer. So let's just arrest her. He did a legit investigation. I mean, I'm assuming, like, everyone wanted to believe her, but then at the same time, it's like, you're seeing all these girls go in, no one's coming back out, only certain people were making it back out, which I'm assuming were, like, people she favored because the other ones got killed off, you know what I mean? It was the flat-chested girl she let go. They're, they were the Big eyewitnesses. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so George was a nice man. <laughs> yeah. So after George spoke with all these witnesses, he did start to doubt her innocence. And it said that he spoke to members of Bathory's family, but none of them cried innocent to help her. I don't like the way that sounds. Those little fuckers. Yeah. Uh, so they came to an agreement that she wouldn't go to trial, but she'd go straight to prison to save the reputation of 
you know, the family name and all that. But on December 26, 1610, Thurzo made a late night raid on the castle and caught her red handed with a torture session in progress. Um, it was said that there were literally bodies just scattered all around. Um, it's not confirmed that he saw tor the torture session going on, but he definitely seen the evidence of the aftermath. So maybe he like burst down the door and she's just like having tea, but there are like blooding corpses everywhere. Okay. I want to talk about the children. Because yeah. you have to think about this. Like, at this time, they're all, like, married off and whatever. I don't know at what ages they got married off because there's not a lot listed on the children because, like, history can't even agree on how many actual children there are. But the children didn't even, like, defend her. They were just like, let's save face. Let's take what we can get. Like, you guys deal with her. But I think it's really weird like, I wonder how much they saw, like, were they raised in the castle, like, all these things. And I did look around the internet, and I couldn't really find anything on them. But they basically were like, oh, fuck yourself, mom. <laughs> yeah, like, they didn't defend her, but they didn't speak against her either. So maybe they just took the, the diplomatic way out and stayed quiet about the whole thing. Because on one hand, if they're like, yup, our mom's a psycho, then that tarnishes their names and their future children and who's to say their partners aren't going to divorce them or have them killed because their mother's a psychopath um but they also didn't say no no my mother would never do such a thing she's an upstanding lady i feel like if you thought your mom was innocent you'd probably say so but the fact that they stayed quiet makes me think that that says more than anything else oh yeah i'm just curious like i have obviously we ever but like did she raise them and like they had a perfect like childhood and everything like you know what i mean like she had like her noble status and like she got to learn all these things like did they have a normal like mundane like royal life like you know like was she actually there did they have nannies like well, how yeah, did they that had, all work like, at the time they had the wet nurse and shit that took care of them so the same person that's you know breastfeeding her children is the same woman that's helping her torture all these other serving girls i can't believe they wouldn't have been exposed to it at all true but maybe they were really good at keeping secrets even though all the other servants knew i don't know i find it hard to believe that they wouldn't know oh yeah or they just like wanted to play dumb and believe that she wasn't ever gonna get caught yeah, so they just deuced off to marry whoever and move wherever and forget, you know, forget the life at, I can't remember the name of the castle. <laughs> okay, so in the end, 306 people ended up testifying against Elizabeth, and even members of her own murder crew turned on her and incriminated themselves in the process. The total reported murder count varies between 80 and 650, which I think is a little bit much, but a, I don't know. Yeah, that's a vast <laughs> 80 to 650. <laughs> Anywhere in between there. Four. <laughs> You're right. In a row. Okay. So Bathory's accomplices were put in trial in trial or on trial who knows maybe they were in it they in january 1611 
Scores of witnesses and even some surviving victims took the witness stand. The judges also examined some of the cadavers that had been taken from the Bathory castles. Death sentences were handed down to Ilana Joe and Dorka and Fisco. Prior to their executions, Alana, Joe, and Dorka were given their own form of torture. Their fingers were torn out by iron tongs before they were put to death and tossed into a fire. Now, yeah, so these people confessed under torture. And I just feel a way about that. You torture somebody enough and they will, you know, confess to wearing their grandmother's underwear. Like, Ew, stop. I'm just saying, like, you can, unless you're some special ops guy who has been trained how to resist torture, like, these two women, they're, I I feel like they would have confessed to anything. Not saying Elizabeth was innocent or anything like that. I'm just saying you can't really touch, you know, trust a confession spurred on by pulling out people's fingers. Oh, exactly. Look how well it worked in the Chikatilo case. That poor innocent dude got friggin' tortured and killed for things he didn't commit. Obviously, he was a rabid bastard, like we said last week, but hello. Yeah, he didn't didn't commit that crime, but at some point, you just want the torture to stop, so you're like, yeah, absolutely, I did this thing, and I'll name seven other people that did it too if you'll just stop pulling my fingers out with iron tongs. So, little Fisco was actually spared torture due to either his youth or disability, and he instead he was beheaded and yeeted into the fire with the other two, I suppose. Um, And Catalan was the only one who wasn't put to death. Uh, She had been apparently the most soft-hearted of the murder crew here, and on several occasions, she had been beaten for sneaking food to the victims. So she was only sentenced to life in prison. Should she have been spared? Hmm. That's an ethical not- question, isn't it? Like, did she partake in the torture because she feared Elizabeth? Or did she get some kind of pleasure in it? But then she was also beaten too, so it's like you're seeing all this crazy shit happen to all these girls around you, hoping you're not next. But then you're trying to like save them. But then, it, like you know what I mean? It's like really conflicting. Yeah, but it reminds me of like the some of the soldiers at concentration camps. Like they were forced to do this thing, but that didn't necessarily mean they were cruel. And sometimes they helped out people because they felt compassion for them. But at the end of the day, yeah, I think she deserved her life sentence. I don't think she deserved to die like the other ones did because they seemed very, you know, they were having a rip-roaring good time. She may not have had as much fun, but she still partook um, and also never said anything to anyone until people were arrested. So I'm comfortable with her life sentence. I mean, I don't know what's worse, getting your fingers ripped off and then killed or sitting and rotting in a jail cell. I guess that's true, too. I have no idea what Hungarian prisons are like, but I'm guessing not so great. Probably not like. (laughs) I mean, I feel like any prison isn't fucking great, but you know. (laughs) Well. Okay. 
So under house arrest, Elizabeth was kept in a downstairs torture chamber while Parliament tried to crank out a special statue to strip her of her immunity for, you know, being all noble and such and untouchable. Thurzo and many priests actually came to visit her during this time, and she was full of rage and pleaded her innocence. And then the bitch went and tried to blame everybody else, which they always do, mm. for the acts that were committed. And when she was asked why she never stopped them, she claimed that she was actually scared of them. Which is how everyone tries to save face, apparently, by either being insane or being scared or blaming everyone else. Yeah, and it's easy to sit there and go, oh, no, it wasn't me. It was them. Go ask them. Oh, wait, you already yeeted them into the fire. So it's easy to say it was other people. But you know. The fire tells no lies. (laughs) Like, you know you were the one in charge, or you're telling me you're afraid of your own servants. I mean, I guess because they were witches, maybe they were scary, but probably not. I mean, that is a good point to think about. Like, if you actually believe, like, full-blown that, like, I mean, her Satanist uncles, like, I guess to an extent, maybe she did believe in witchcraft. Maybe she was scared, but, like, nothing is going to fix what you did. (laughs) Yeah. It's too late to turn back now, bitch. You're in a fucking basement. <laughs> mm-hmm. So there was a trial in January of 1611, and it lasted late through February, and there were 20 jurists. Uh, she was charged with an alleged 80 counts of murder, but some people believe the final count was between 300 and 560 victims, which is probably exaggerated. Um, she didn't even attend her own trial, but was held in her apartment slash dungeon thing, uh, under very heavy watch. Uh, the blood countess ran out of time though. It is said that she lived in isolation for three and a half years in this bricked up bedroom, only receiving food through a hole in the door. But there are other accounts that said that she lived in a very modern way. Like she lived under house arrest, essentially. That's what we would have called it today. So she could wander around the castle, but she's not allowed to leave. And then on August 20th, 1614, she told one of her guards that her hands were unusually cold and that she was worried about her circulation. The guard was like, eh, don't worry about it. Go lie down. You'll be fine. But the next morning, she was found dead in her bed, and she was 54 years old. Her body and grave, however, have never been discovered, so... I think she's a vampire. That explains (laughs) the body. (laughs) That explains everything. Yeah, from what I've read online, they believe that she was buried in the castle, and then, I guess, I don't know what ended up happening to that property, but she was moved to a family crypt, but I read that in the 90s, they actually opened it up and looked through all the bodies, and she actually wasn't in there. So, I think she's a fucking vampire. Like I said, that's back to the whole Bram Stoker story of, you know, the eternal youth thing, the drinking of blood thing, the not ever finding a body thing. Um, I, I think Elizabeth Bathory was the inspiration for Dracula, 100%. But I guess oh. a woman wouldn't have made a compelling character, in my opinion. Makes a more compelling character, but Bram Stoker was drunk and doesn't agree with me. I mean, I've always wanted to fuck Dracula, but don't tell anyone. 
<laughs> I'm going to take a hard pass on that one. Wilhelmina, on the other hand. Oh, hello. Winota Ryder? Absolutely. Oh, yeah, for sure. But I don't know. I've always had a thing for fucking vampires. But wow. also, she's hot. She Not in the movie. Obviously, I would bang Keanu Reeves if everyone who's listening knows which movie we're talking about. Obviously. No, if we're talking about the movie, <laughs> I am actually all about Gary Oldman as Dracula. But that's because I'm absolutely in love with Gary Oldman. Oh, well, yeah. His and little he's, shiny forehead. Yeah, and he's a sexy bitch in that movie. Not all the scenes, but the scenes where he's young and Oh, hot. yeah, for sure. <laughs> Not the one when he's all old and crusty and his balls are probably, like, rubbing his little <laughs> vampire knee. <laughs> okay. So enough about Dracula's saggy balls. Um, so the question becomes on how much of the Bloody Countess's tale is fact and how much is actually myth. Truth is, we're never gonna know, and it's apparent to us that the woman was a complete sadist, and there's no doubt about it. But seeing her story wasn't officially written until almost 120 years later, the stories of the bloodbathing and the satanic rites were probably all fabricated to add the saliciousness of her crimes. Personally, we think that her crimes were fucked enough that they didn't need to be all the extra bullshit added on top. A little sprinkle of bullshit. <laughs> but I guess that's how the boogeyman was made, though. Yeah. That concludes our telling of the Elizabeth Bathory story. We hope you enjoyed yourselves, and please join us next time as we explore the case of the Chicago Rippers. <laughs> so thank you all for listening, and be sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter for extra content, episode announcements, and more. A special thank you to Zip Scribs for our gorgeous cover art. Make sure to hop over to his Instagram, show him some love. Shout out to Mr. Brent Allman for our kick-ass musical score and to Stephen Sweeney, our patient and talented editor. That's it for tonight. And until next time, remember to keep it creepy. Cue the music. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> you shaking we your titties. We can't do this. <laughs>